Chapter Eleven of Pollyanna of the Orange Blossoms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Claire. Pollyanna of the Orange Blossoms by Harriet Lummis Smith. Chapter Eleven. Pandora's Box. Thanks to Aunt Polly's extravagant ideas as to what a trousseau should include. Pollyanna's shopping during the first few months of her married life had been confined almost entirely to articles for the house. Pollyanna had never outgrown the thrill of such expeditions. Whether she patronized a five-and-ten cent store, as she frequently did, or visited the imposing house-furnishing departments of the big stores, where fine aluminium ware was on display, as dazzling as silver and almost as costly, she experienced a pleasure she had never dreamed of in making purchases for herself, and in this she was only following nature's well-established precedent. Even a bird will pluck out its feathers to make its nest more cosy and complete. But even the most absorbed young housekeeper must occasionally put her personal needs before the need of kitchen utensils, and, with the first frost, Pollyanna waked up to a lack in her wardrobe, which in a smaller town she would probably have thought of earlier. "'I must get myself a hat this week,' she remarked to Jimmy at breakfast one morning. "'I suppose I'm the only woman in New York who is still wearing a straw.' "'You are?' Jimmy exclaimed. He seemed quite disturbed by the suggestion. "'Of course every man took off his straw hat weeks ago, but you women have such queer ideas about times and seasons that I just left it to you.' Pollyanna laughed at his worried air. It doesn't matter very much, she said, as long as the society reporters aren't likely to mention that Mrs. James Pendleton attended church elegantly attired in her last spring's hat. Nobody notices anybody here. That's not the point, frowned Jimmy. Mrs. James Pendleton ought to be suitably dressed whether anybody notices it or not. He was plainly vexed, and paradoxically Pollyanna gloated over his displeasure. Jimmy was so uniformly amiable that it flattered her to have him curt in his speech and abrupt in manner, simply because she had been a laggard about adjusting her apparel to the changes of season. When Jimmy looked up from his toast, her face was so radiant that he stared. "'Well, what's the matter now?' he demanded. "'Haven't I made it sufficiently clear that you're getting a scolding?' "'Yes, indeed,' Pollyanna dimpled back. "'It's perfectly plain you're cross.' Jimmy shook his head in mock despair. This is a pretty state of affairs. How's a man to be a master in his own house if every time he scolds his wife she beams at him, as if he'd just made her a present? What's the idea? But Pollyanna refused to explain the secret of her good humour, though she softened her refusal by offering him another cup of coffee and putting in it an extra lump of sugar. And, after Jimmy's departure, she dispatched her morning's work with an alacrity born of blithe spirits. Even a husband's frown might be an occasion for gladness, Pollyanna assured herself, if it were due to his pride in her. She had not the slightest intention of buying her hat till Saturday, when Jimmy's salary was due, and when she would receive her allowance for the forthcoming four weeks. But on her way to the market she passed a little millinery shop, in whose window she had often noticed hats that impressed her favourably. It would do no harm, Pollyanna decided, to look the stock over. While Pollyanna was far from beautiful in the conventional sense, 
the charm of her face depending on its vivacity and sweetness rather than on regularity of feature she had an unusual faculty for knowing just what suited her an instinct as unerring as that which guides a young bird to the south land it has never seen taught her what to avoid once inside the little shop her gaze went from shelf to shelf and finally focused on a small and simple hat of dark blue its only trimming a cocky velvet bow i believe that would be becoming may i try it on please i can't buy a hat to-day explained pollyanna conscientiously because i haven't enough money with me but i expect to get one on saturday the pleasant young clerk obligingly brought out the hat indicated and when it had replaced pollyanna's shabby tanned straw the clerk's professional enthusiasm warmed to something nearly human that looks awfully well on you she declared yes doesn't it pollyanna gazed at her reflection with tempered admiration i knew it would suit me as soon as i saw it you might try on a few others suggested the saleswoman becoming professional again we have some very pretty hats copied from french models at less than half their price pollyanna accommodatingly tried several hats without duplicating the pleasant impression made by her first choice and left at length with a satisfied certainty that her winter shopping was practically over as far as her personal needs were concerned the price of the little blue hat was not beyond her modest purse and it was so satisfactory that she did not see the point of lurking any further pollyanna was not so fond of shopping as to care to make her need of a new hat an excuse for visiting twenty shops and putting twenty clerks to unnecessary labour she had found what she liked and that was enough pollyanna's mood of unimpaired cheerfulness outlasted the daylight it even stood the test of jimmy's being late to dinner which is perhaps as severe a trial to the equanimity of the housewife who is also the cook as has yet been devised but as she watched the clock and turned the gas lower and still lower that the food might keep warm without completely drying up she hummed a little tune and thought complacently how jimmy would admire the blue hat she heard at last the sound of his key in the latch and rushed out to give him a welcome tempered with reproof but at the first sight of him she halted and took a quick step backward jimmy was carrying a most unusual package a large round box striped black and white like a zebra there was no possibility of mistake it was a milliner's box pollyanna stood gazing at it with distended eyes in many ways she had absolute confidence in jimmy if the president had suddenly asked him to accept a seat in the cabinet she might have wondered how officialdom had so early recognized his worth but she would not have doubted his ability to make a success of the position that was one thing however and the thing that jimmy had apparently attempted was another the smile froze on pollyanna's lips jimmy hung up his overcoat crossed the hall and enveloped her in an exultant hug may i ask what you are staring at mrs pendleton haven't i a right to do a little shopping for myself without having my wife make eyes at me what is it jimmy pollyanna wondered if by any possibility the men's furnishing stores had adopted the picturesque boxes first affected by the millinery trade open it and see the answer confirmed her worst fears smiling resolutely she went to do his bidding she rallied her courage by the reflection that when they were buying their furniture jimmy's taste had practically coincided with hers she reinforced the feeble hope born of this recollection by telling herself that jimmy showed the best of taste in selecting his own ties 
but for all these brave thoughts her fingers trembled as they clumsily fumbled with the string. There was a hat in the box, an extremely large hat, of a lifeless shade of plum-coloured velvet, over-heavy, over-trimmed. Pollyanna's unerring instinct told her that, if Jimmy had searched the metropolis to find a hat which would be most unbecoming to herself, he could hardly have improved on his performance. For one agonising moment she thought that her gasp of horror must have betrayed her. Then she realised that a mere catching of the breath has nothing to differentiate it. A gasp of horror might easily be mistaken for a gasp of ecstasy. Forcing her stiff lips into a smile, Pollyanna took the hat from the box, and as she did so, a printed card fluttered out and fell at her feet. For obvious reasons, it read, hats will not be exchanged. In her present mood it seemed a taunt. She realized she must say something. Oh, Jimmy, she murmured, that at least was safe. And then she went on, feeling her way. How dear of you! Some hat, isn't it? Jimmy regarded his choice with complacency. That guilt, whatever you call it, at the side sets it off, doesn't it? The ornament to which Jimmy referred had already suggested to Pollyanna the epaulets formerly worn by major generals. Avoiding a direct reply, she asked a question altogether safe. How did you come to think of it? Jimmy was delighted to reply. Well, I was annoyed, because you hadn't bought yourself a hat when you needed one. And when I started home tonight, it occurred to me to stop at one of the big stores and see what they had. A peach of a girl waited on me, and she tried on different hats so that I could get the effect. Pollyanna was conscious of immediate resentment towards the peach of a girl, not because of Jimmy's open admiration, but because she had taken advantage of his ignorance. I suppose she was one of the big showy sort, thought Pollyanna, with an indignation that it was essential to conceal. Who could wear a dishpan turned upside down and trimmed with a feather duster and not look very bad? She might have taken the trouble to ask him what sort of a looking person I was. She was dreading the moment when Jimmy should ask her to try the hat on. It seemed a foregone conclusion that, when he saw her wearing the atrocity he had selected, the full tragedy of the situation would at once be apparent, and, as she turned it in her hands, with a fixed attention which might be interpreted as admiration, the question she was dreading came. "'Why don't you put it on?' "'Which—which which is the front?' The inquiry was purely a ruse to gain time, but Jimmy looked puzzled. "'Hanged if I know!' but I remember that when the girl put it on, that feather curled down under her ear. Oh, yes, I see. Pollyanna walked to the mirror like a martyr advancing to the stake, adjusted the hat at an angle which brought the variegated plume curling ticklishly under her right ear, and waited for the explosion. Jimmy put his hands in his pockets and looked her over with an expression of fatuous complacency. "'Hats are going to be worn large this year,' he said, authoritatively, evidently quoting the saleswoman whose good looks had so impressed him. "'But I don't believe you'll find many larger than that.' "'I'm sure of it,' declared Pollyanna animatedly. That at least she could say with perfect truth. It was not likely that a larger hat would be worn by anybody, certainly not by women just five feet two. "'I think it should be tipped over the right eye a little more,' corrected Jimmy." Yes, that's it. He interrupted his observations to sniff interrogatively. Anything burning? My dinner! 
Pollyanna rushed to the rescue of her forgotten vegetables without stopping to remove the velvet hat, and for some minutes presented a most unique appearance, turning the mashed potatoes from one saucepan into another while the tip of the fantastically coloured plume carelessly tickled her ear. Then, having saved her meal from destruction, she returned the hat to its box and put on dinner. There were fewer mashed potatoes than she had planned for, owing to the fact that the bottom layer had scorched, but that evening Pollyanna did not care for much potato, nor, if the truth be told, for much of anything. Often, when Pollyanna and Jimmy were alone, she chattered almost incessantly, till she had told him everything that had happened since she had seen him last. But on this particular evening, Jimmy held the floor, stimulated to unwanted brilliancy by his wife's absorbed attention. Yet, while she gazed at Jimmy and heard the greater part of what he was saying, the undercurrent of her thoughts ran along a very different channel. She tried to find consolation in the remembrance that some people put on spring hats in February. She had always thought it a very silly custom, and had disliked the effect of spring hats atop of winter coats, emphasizing by their very incongruity the bleakness of the season. But now she looked forward impatiently to February, and the chance to escape from the domination of the plum-coloured velvet. She tried it on again next morning after Jimmy had gone, with a grim determination to know the worst, and the worst was very bad indeed. The hat, tasteless and ugly in itself, was of a style utterly unsuited to Pollyanna, and even her clear complexion took on a sallow look against the trying shade of the velvet. With the aid of a hand-mirror, Pollyanna studied her reflection from all angles and counted up the weeks till February. "'I suppose I've got to resign myself to going around looking like a fright,' groaned Pollyanna. "'It was not an agreeable prospect for a young wife, with a full share of the love a normal human being possesses for pretty and becoming clothes. But I'm sure this hat cost a lot, and I couldn't afford another, even if it wasn't for hurting Jimmy's feelings. It was so dear of him. There never was anybody like Jimmy.' When Pandora's box was opened, letting loose innumerable ills to plague humanity, hope remained for our consolation, and if the striped milliner's box on the shelf of Pollyanna's closet had proved a Pandora's box in miniature, there was one joy which had not flown away. The thought of Jimmy's care for her and pride in her was sufficient antidote to her momentary depression. Though the tears started to her eyes, they were tears of pure joy. I suppose there are lots of women whose husbands don't care how they look and grudge them every penny they spend for themselves. Of course I'm sorry Jimmy brought this particular hat, but—but but I'm glad he wanted to. They went out more than usual that next week. Most young couples, no matter how thrifty and sensible, go out more than usual the first week after the monthly payday. On Saturday night they celebrated by tickets to a real concert. They were perfectly agreed on their love for music, and Pollyanna's spirits soared like a bird above all sordid things. It was not till they were home again that Jimmy startled her by a brusque question. "'Pollyanna, aren't you feeling well?' Pollyanna turned her astonished face toward him. They were still discussing the program they had heard, and she had not yet removed her wraps. "'Me?' she exclaimed. "'Why, of course I feel well. Why did you ask me that?' "'Because I don't think you're looking well. "'I noticed you in the streetcars tonight, and, well, it gave me a sort of shock.' "'Pollyanna was beginning to understand. "'In his first enthusiasm over his purchase, Jimmy, when he looked at her, "'had seen only the magnificence of the over-showy hat. 
but now that he was becoming sufficiently familiar with its splendour, so that it no longer arrested his eyes, once again he was able to see his wife. "'Seems to me your face looked rather pinched,' Jimmy continued. "'I believe you've lost weight, and your colour isn't as good as it was, or, well, anyway, something's wrong.' Pollyanna could no longer contain herself. Had it been left to her choice, nothing could have induced her to be guilty of the thing she immediately proceeded to do. But it was one of the times when the will was impotent. An uncontrollable titter forced its way between her compressed lips, a sound insignificant in itself, but like a trickle of water in a dike, foretelling doom. Pollyanna dropped into the nearest chair in an agony of laughter. With an exclamation, Jimmy jumped to his feet. His brief apprehension was not unnatural, for nothing in Pollyanna's appearance indicated merriment. As a matter of fact, she felt anything but merry. Laughter may be as painful as a toothache, and Pollyanna, writhing in the grip of a paroxysm that squeezed the breath out of her lungs, wiped away tears of actual suffering. Jimmy gazed at her incredulously. "'For heaven's sake!' he burst out, after he had satisfied himself that she was really laughing and not the victim of some neurologic seizure. "'What's so funny?' Pollyanna continued to laugh in the same helpless fashion, and Jimmy ran his fingers through his hair. "'Rather selfish,' he commented resentfully, "'to have a joke like that and not share it with your lawful husband.' Pollyanna moaned slightly and again struggled for self-control. The big hat, overbalanced by the weight of the plume, and an enormous velvet bow, tore itself from her head, despite the restraining hatpins, and dropped to the floor. Jimmy made a quick movement as if to recover it, and then choked himself abruptly. He stood looking at his wife with the most fixed attention. Pollyanna's paroxysm passed as suddenly as it had come on. All at once she stopped laughing and felt as if nothing in the world could ever make her laugh again. Her depleted lungs filled. The pain in her side became less excruciating. She wiped her eyes, avoiding Jimmy's gaze. How in the world was she to explain? Pollyanna, Jimmy challenged her. What about that hat? Pollyanna gasped and failed to answer. Now that it's off, it seems to me you look, well, different. Is anything wrong with that hat? Pollyanna might try to hide disappointment from her husband, but she could not lie to him. I think perhaps she said in a faint voice, The reason my face looked pinched to you is because the hat is rather large. I'm a pretty small person, you see. Hmm. And there are some shades that make me look rather sallow. I guess this is one. Jimmy walked across the room and back again. Then he whistled a few lines from one of the selections they had enjoyed that evening. Pollyanna, glancing at him apprehensively, lest she should see chagrin written on his face, was unutterably relieved to have him look up and smile at her. "'Live and learn, Pollyanna,' said Jimmy. "'Let's make a bargain. I won't buy you any more hats if you won't buy me any more neckties.' Pollyanna looked alarmed. "'Now, Jimmy, if you meant that plaid one—' The salesman said— "'Salesmen are frequently liars,' remarked Jimmy sententiously. "'And peaches are saleswomen are sometimes more anxious to make a sale than to suit the style of somebody they never saw. Jimmy came over to her and kissed her. All right, he said, let's call it a draw. End of chapter 11 Recording by Claire